Good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Spring is almost here, right? If you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. This morning, we're talking about be thankful. And uh, you may have heard Lori, first thing, as the service was starting, remember next week our Easter services are at a different time, 8, 9, 30, and 11. The 9, 30, and 11, we are doing baptisms, and we have over 40 people who are going to be baptized next week. So if you haven't been here for a baptismal service, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun. But also, just as a reminder as well, the Kindred Campus starts next week. And uh, what I would like to do right now is just have a moment of prayer for them. They're not here. They're actually worshiping in Kindred, getting ready for next week. Would you join me in a a word of prayer as we just pray over them and as they anticipate next week uh, launching that campus? God, um, right now we are here gathered at this campus worshiping you. And our friends, our launch team, they're gathered at the elementary school in Kindred. Lord, they're setting up and tearing down and, in a sense, practicing, getting ready for next week, Easter Sunday, when they will launch officially that campus. I pray, Lord, for your anointing upon them. I pray, Lord, that you would give them everything that they need in order for that uh, to launch successfully. I pray that you would give them the strength, the focus, the wisdom, all that they need, Lord. And I pray, Lord, desperately that you would bring the people to that campus who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and who need to be introduced to a group of people who love you. And Lord, we want to give a message of hope to the kindred community and beyond. Thank you for them. Would you bless them this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we are wrapping up the series Eternally Focused Life. We've been in this for for a few weeks now. We've been looking at life from uh, an eternal perspective, asking the question, how do we live in the here and now but not for the here and now? And with that question, man, we've talked about all kinds of things. We've, We've run the gamut, so to speak, of life. We've talked about shattered dreams, you know, those times in life when when things are going a certain direction and all of a sudden it just feels like life falls apart and we weren't expecting it. And we've talked about how eternity is not a place, but it's a timeline. And that kind of blew our minds a little bit. And how we're to live for God's approval and not others. And we talked about treasures in light of eternity. We looked at our focus in this life. And we talked about the illusion of control. Then we talked about selfishness. And that we're not supposed to be attached to this world. And the last week we looked at how our faith needs to be greater than our fear. And today, we'll wrap up this series by talking about thankfulness. Paul wrote this letter uh, to the church in Thessalonica to encourage them. He had been there for a brief time, uh, and then all of a sudden he had to leave abruptly, and he left without being able to, to teach them and remind them of some very important aspects of the Christian walk. And so he wrote this letter uh, to them, encouraging them even though they would experience trials and also to challenge them concerning their, this godly living that the scripture teaches. And he, and he even wrote to them concerning the future of believers who die before Christ returns, and he tries to answer some of those questions. And then at the end of chapter five, starting in verse 12, Paul begins to urge them with different things to think about. 
And he said to them, I urge you to be aware of those who are leaders over you, to remember them, to, to hold them in the highest regard in love. And after he talks about leaders in, in verses 12 and 13, he shares with them how to deal with, ready for this, difficult people in verses 14 and 15. And all of a sudden, your ears just perked up. You're like, what? The Bible tells us how to deal with difficult people, and now I just lost you because you're looking at verses 14 and 15. That's not even where we're at today. But then we come to verses 16 through 18, the three verses that I want us to pay a closer attention to today. Again, this morning, our main topic is thankfulness or gratitude. And in the three verses that we are looking at this morning, we'll notice that there is a process in our life that leads to thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, this is what it says. Maybe you've heard these few verses, listen to this. And again, it's just like he's giving them instruction and, and he's saying, don't forget these things. He says, rejoice always, that's one verse. And then verse 17 says, pray continually, that's one verse. And then verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So he begins in, in, in verse 16 and he says, don't forget this. He says, rejoice always. Uh, today as we reflect on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry caused people to rejoice. They thought for sure, they just got everything that they had been looking for. It's old to say, um, here is our king, here is our rescuer, here is our political leader. Do you see him over there? He's the one on the donkey. And the Gospels recount how Jesus rode into Jerusalem and how the people, they laid down their cloaks in front of him. And they laid down these, these small branches in front of him. And the people sang together, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. His entry into the city, man, it, it stirred up all kinds of excitement. The whole city was moved and the people of the city asked, who is this? And the multitudes answered, this is Jesus. And the celebration just days later turned from rejoicing to regretting. Their shouts went from blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to crucify him. Same people. With the triumphal entry in the back of our minds, let's look closer at this passage and see what we're supposed to learn about rejoicing. It's okay to rejoice. Some consider the Christian life as a sacred duty to be grouchy or bored. At the same time, there is this false belief from those outside of the faith, and maybe you've run into this, that Christians are always supposed to be happy. And if you're not happy, you're not a Christian. There's something wrong with you. Nowhere does Scripture say, groan in the Lord always or grumble in the Lord always, or complain in the Lord always. It says to rejoice in the Lord always, and it says it for a reason. To understand what life looks like to rejoice always, let's consider life without joy. A life without joy is one that is weighed down by burdens. There's no joy in that. It's a life that strives to exist under the weight of sin or under guilt or under shame. When we look to make others happy or when we continually give ourselves away and we're not being replenished ourselves, that's joyless. Sometimes 
Sometimes our joy is lacking because we surround ourselves with joyless people. People who are critical about everything. People who think the world is caving in. And by the time we leave their presence, maybe you've had a conversation with somebody like that, we would rather dive into a freezing cold lake just after the ice thaws than have the thought of sitting and having to do that again. The reality of anhedonia, which means the inability to feel pleasure, it's a real thing today seems to be becoming more and more prevalent. We're more surrounded by what we thought would give us happiness than ever before, at any time. And yet, we seem to be less satisfied. We have more, we want more, and still, more than ever, we long for joy. How does that even make sense? How is that even possible? Or does it make sense? You would think that when we, when we get that house, or we get that car, or we have a child, or a puppy, or we get that new outfit, you would think the feeling of pleasure and joy would last longer than a couple of hours, or a couple of weeks, or days, or months, the drug wears off. And we're left once again feeling empty, questioning life and trying to make sense of our feelings, wondering, why didn't it work? And then you throw into the mix the idea that as a Christian, you should never or at least appear to be in a bad mood or you shouldn't get discouraged. Christians aren't disappointed or sad. I mean, there's no excuse for an unhappy Christian. Where did that come from? There is this pressure sometimes that as a Christian, you ought to never give the appearance that you're struggling. You should always have a smile on your face and give the impression that everything in this life is hunky-dory. Even if your inner world, even if your outer world is falling apart. Let's remember that there is a difference between the happiness we think we need and the joy that God wants us to have. You can find happiness when you surround yourself with the right happenings. The problem is, We have no control over our happenings. Decisions are made out of our control. People change. Circumstances change. The happenings that used to make us happy change. And when they do, here we go again, chasing new happenings so we can be happy. To live in the here and now but not for the here and now doesn't mean that we were put here to run the happiness marathon. God put us here to experience a much deeper and more satisfying joy. The joy that God speaks of is a thousand times more satisfying than any happiness that our happenings can provide. It's not that God doesn't want us happy. And there's confusion sometimes with this. I'd like to be happy. 
right? You like to be happy. Who doesn't? Happiness is just an emotion. I want you to think about something. Happiness is the face of either our happenings that we've been talking about or our joy. Knowing that my happenings are not dependable, I hope that you realize that. I'd rather my happiness come from my joy. When we look at comparing the two concepts of happiness versus joy, joy lasts even in the midst of trials of life. Happiness does not. Joy isn't dependent on circumstances. Happiness is. Joy is strength. Happiness is not. Joy is internal. Happiness is not. Joy is eternal. Happiness is not. One person said, even though my heart is breaking, even though I've lost my hopes and dreams and plans and material things, I can and I do still have joy. There might not always be a smile on my face, but on a deeper soul-stirring level, there's joy in my heart. There's joy in my spirit. But the word rejoice goes even further because it suggests an action. So the emphasis goes even beyond the experience of joy to the expression of joy. It says to rejoice always. That's an action. It's not a feeling. We've all known people, we've all come across bored, discouraged, down people, but then they'll say to us, but I'm so happy. And then we think to ourselves, you know, there's that saying, if that's true, there's a saying, maybe you should let your face know. If you're so happy, tell your face, right? And it's the same idea here. When you experience joy in your fellowship with God, make sure to inform your face. Remind your mouth when you speak. Tell your body language. Get your face, your mouth, your body all together and say to them, remember, we are joyful. Paul begins by saying, rejoice always, which brings us to the next step, moving towards thankfulness. And he says, pray continually. Verse 17, pray continually. Man, I don't know, when you just hear that, it's exhausting to even think about that, even hear it. He's suggesting that we should, is he suggesting we should find this, this place of solitude, bow our heads and fold our hands for the rest of our lives? If you're here this morning and you're 105 years old, that may not sound all that bad. But if you're 17 years old, that sounds horrible. The thought of that, right? We just talked about what it means to rejoice always and how rejoicing comes from joy, and joy comes from our fellowship with God. But to rejoice always means we need to learn what it means to pray continually. They go together. So I guess, are we supposed to walk around mumbling prayers at all times? Warren Wearsby says this, pray continually does not mean we must always be mumbling prayers. The idea means constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. So to simplify that, to say it another way, it means 
every now and then instead of nonstop. And I, um, I thought of an illustration, and I, and I thought of a phone. It means that you are on a continuous call with God. This is the idea behind praying continually, that you are on a continuous call with God where the line is never broken. It's the idea that you never have to redial, but it does not mean that you're always talking. As an example, Psalm 37, 4 says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that tell us? That means that even when we're not talking, even when we're not busy sharing with God all the things that we need and that we want, that, that God already knows our heart. God knows the desires of our heart. Even when we're not talking. Imagine life when you are on a lifelong call with God. And when other people call in, your call with God never hangs up. Do you ever, are you ever on a phone call um, and, you, and you, somebody buzzes in and you get this option, at least on my phone, you get this option of either ending the first call and accepting the other one or putting them on hold and accepting the other one? What if there's a third option in, in, in relation to what I'm talking about, and that is that you don't ever, like you're already on the call with God, always continuing. That's what the idea is. And somebody in life buzzes in, or in other words, you're having a conversation with somebody else, but you never hang up here. That's what it means to pray continuously. It's the attitude of prayer. It's to be in this ongoing phone call, so to speak, with God that's never broken. That's the idea of the fellowship. And then it goes on, and it says, give thanks in all circumstances, verse 18. So the, the two previous commands use words that are timely. Rejoice always, timely. Pray continually, timely. But this command isn't emphasized through time. It's emphasized through circumstances. And, and, and so this is where Paul's heading, and this is, this is where we're going to land. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not to say give thanks for everything, but in everything. I want you to think about the difference there. Not to say give thanks for everything, but in everything. It's not always easy. When things are not going the way that we would like them to, the last thing we feel like doing is being thankful. Last summer, uh, we moved into a different house. And when we bought the new house, we knew that there are a number of things that, that needed to be done. And we pretty much redid the entire main floor. And one of the things that, that had to be done was that we had to replace the countertops. And we have never um, had that done before. We've never replaced countertops. And so this was kind of exciting for us. And we went to the store here in town and we spent a lot of time and, and uh, picking out these countertops. And we we're super excited about it. And the day comes uh, for them to come out and install the countertops. And so they did that. They installed the countertops. And we just, wow, this is so cool. And the next day, I start looking at our countertops, and I start noticing these dull spots in our countertop. And I'm like, well, well, that can't be right. And so I went back to the place where we purchased them. And they said, well, that's not really us anymore. You, we're going to put you in contact with the installers. 
And it took several weeks, but, but two different people from the company that installed them came out, and the first one came out and rubbed something on it, and that didn't work. And then another person came out, and, and they rubbed something on it. That didn't work because she was more experienced. And, and so no avail. And the installers then said, we can't do anything. You'll need to work with the store. Um, this is when I really started being thankful. Um, insert rolling eyes emoji here. I went back to the store, and they said, it's out of our hands. And it's, it's, it's the installers who need to deal with it. Insert mad emoji here. Their response was, there is nothing that we can do. In fact, just recently, I, I wrote a letter and was all set to send it to 10 different people at all levels. I've never done this before. This will kind of tell you where I was at. As I was looking up the names and the addresses for my new soon-to-be friends in this organization, I came across a customer service phone number and I decided, well, before I send out this letter and widen my, my friend circle to the, to the CEO of this organization, I thought I'll call this phone number first. On the other end of the phone was this very friendly and, and kind and polite individual who apologized profusely and said, I will deal with it. Okay. Less than two hours later, I got a phone call from the manufacturer saying that they wanted to come and take a look at it. We set up an appointment. She came to look at it. She also, after she looked at it, she took some pictures. She also brought this magical stuff that you put on and rub, it'll just rub it out. And she said, I've been doing this a while. I just need to tell you before I do this, uh, be prepared to be amazed because I can get 98% of dull spots out of the countertop. Well, guess which category I fell in? <laughs> I fell into the 2%. And, and she said, well, I'm gonna turn it into the warranty department. They'll be in touch with you by the end of the week. She just didn't say which week. Um, apparently, that could mean the end, of, the end of any week. What emoji would you put in here now at this point? So once again, I fully understand the difficulty of being thankful in all circumstances. I get it. And that's not what I was doing. <laughs> it's not happy people who are thankful. It's thankful people who are happy. It doesn't say all good circumstances. The word all means what we might consider good, but also those circumstances in this life that are challenging and that are hard. Those things that don't make sense and those things that are difficult. And we've come to the culmination, give thanks in all circumstances. And the ability to give thanks is deeply, here's, here's where it comes from. And this is really important if you are a follower of Christ. The ability to give thanks is deeply rooted in Paul's theology or what we might say his understanding of who God is. Only because he was growing in depth and understanding of God was he able to give thanks in all circumstances. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to to his purpose. 
For those who have received the gift of salvation through Jesus' death on the cross, it's not a surprise. It's a known thing that the same God who sent his son, can you trust that God? Can you trust the God who sent his only son to this earth to die on the cross and and provide a means for you to know him in a personal way? Can you trust him? You might be sitting there and saying, well, yes, I can trust him. That's the same God that we can trust no matter what he sends our way. No matter how challenging, no matter how gut-wrenching, no matter how much trouble it may cause or how much heartache, Though we may not always fully understand or make sense of it, we have to know it intuitively. We know it deep in our spirit. It's rooted in our understanding of who God is. And we know that in all things God works for the good, even when we are reeling in chaos or pain. We take comfort in knowing that God is working for the good and his glory. All of it has in mind an eternal purpose. When we are eternally focused, we can take heart knowing that God is preparing us for his kingdom. And for that we are thankful. Whether things seem dark or light, crooked or straight, it's all in cooperation for our final completion and his purpose. He brings perfect harmony to all of the parts, moving us towards Christ-likeness in preparation of us seeing him face to face. All three commands, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. We might think, well, those are great words of advice. Here's the thing. They're not advice, they're commands. They are God's will for believers. What an appropriate way to end this series, a reminder to be thankful always. Are you a thankful person? Rejoicing always, praying continually, those two things, those two things together, Bring us to a place of being thankful. Let me leave you with one thing that actually had three parts. These are some ways that maybe you can apply this. And I just used our mission statement, but it just worked for this week. To love God. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We're talking about being thankful here. To love others. Tell someone thank you and why they mean so much to you. Have you done that recently? And to serve the world. Go out of your way to serve someone this week out of gratitude. Three ways that we can apply having a thankful heart. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for your word and um, just this series as we've looked at life in light of eternity. And Lord, as We've kind of landed the plane with this series talking about what it means to to be thankful in all circumstances. God, that it has to be rooted in our theology of who you are, our understanding of who you are. God, I pray um, because I know 
there are people all over this auditorium, there are people watching us right now online that are trying to make sense of this, this whole message because of what's happening in our life or what has happened. Lord, I pray that you would just meet them right now in that place, in that place of pain or darkness or confusion or hurt, whatever it is. Would you meet them there and remind them of the love that you have for them and that they have reason beyond their circumstance to be joyful and to pray and to be thankful because you are there. You can be trusted. In Jesus' name, amen.